Hello, hello, everyone. I am here with one of my new friends, Gina Anderson, and I am so excited to have her on the podcast and talk about her life and her work and how that points us closer to God. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm fantastic. It's Friday as we're recording this, so Friday afternoon, so um, I think I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. And you like work a regular work week where it's like five days on, two days off? Yes, for the most part. I actually work four days, four to okay. days. Okay. Oh, I wish I could do four tens. <laughs> is it amazing? Uh, it is. The, the days are long when you're working, but having the extra day off during the week, I'm sure we're going to, you're going to ask me questions about all this, <laughs> but having the days off during the week is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? How can I get to working four tens? <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as working four tens, that was just something that I, I wasn't doing that until a year ago. I was mm. working five days a week. And then that was something that they just offered and said, my company said, Hey, you could work four tens if you want to. And I said, I absolutely want to thank you very much. <laughs> um, so that's how that happened. But I would say, ask Lovely. and maybe you'll receive. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I live in Central Texas, outside of Austin, um, in a small town called Hutto that's not so small anymore and growing. And so I am married. I have two kids. One is fifteen, and the other is eleven. We have two dogs. Um, right now it is very hot here, and it tends to stay that way <laughs> all summer long. And um, so I professionally, what I do, I'm a family nurse practitioner, and I specialize in weight management. And so I do that full time. And um, additionally, I'm a Christian author and writer. And so I do a lot of that kind of thing. And then as a mom, doing all of the shuttling the children around in this phase of life that we're in. And I personally, the things that I really like to do besides writing and reading and hanging out with my family and working, I do because I do love what I do. I think it's one of the greatest privileges of my life to be a nurse and now a nurse practitioner for the last five years or so. But additionally, I love to be active and exercise and go for hikes and work in my yard and be outside in nature. I love traveling. My family and I do that as often as we can. And um, I love cheesecake and red wine when uh, on occasion. <laughs> I love that. That's kind of me. <laughs> I love that. I actually have, I think on my website, I have, I love iced tea and dark chocolate. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I would take both of those also. <laughs> Cheesecake and red wine. I just feel like it's people who are like, oh, what's your favorite food? And like, you can just like go to it. But it's like when it's part of you, it's part of you and you totally yeah. understand it. Yeah. But yeah. I coffee also. I, I, I don't know how I would live without coffee. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So how long have you been doing nursing? So for 19 years, I think wow. the, I, this year in December would, would be 20 years. That's my wow. 20 year nurse anniversary. So a little amazing. bit, a little while, just, just a short bit. Um, and how long have you been with the current company that you're currently with? Four years, a little over four wow. years. That's awesome too. I feel like we're, we live in a generation where people just kind of the turnover rate is so high. So even like four years, it, I mean, it's not, you know, the 20, 30, 40 years that you used to hear of like of grandpa, but four years is still significant in, in, in the market that we currently have. Yeah, you, you're right about that. I think in my profession though, I actually am in the process of transitioning here in a few weeks to a different job. So it's <laughs> funny that you say that to a different company Yeah, and wasn't necessarily my plan. It's God, God's plan was, mm -hmm. was that this was a complete surprise to me, but that's a discussion probably for another day. But <laughs> yes, I think especially in other, in my profession, it's important to have a relationship with your patients and that just takes time. Mm, so I don't yeah. think leaving quickly bodes well for anybody, but in a lot of other professions, there people move around a lot these days. Yeah, that's for sure. And kind of tell me a little bit about like how you found yourself in nursing. Obviously you went to school for it, but like, why did you choose it? Why did you go down that route? And then also like, I love to hear where 
did your faith journey align with your career journey? Were you already a Christian when you decided to become a nurse? How did all of that look? Yes. Those are, that's a good topic to discuss. What a good, what a good question. So I became a nurse. Well, what pointed me in that direction really was at the suggestion of my mother, I shadowed a nurse in middle school mm. and it was a project that we had to do. We were supposed to shadow someone in their career. And I really kind of was enamored with how it was at a clinic and a small town clinic. And I was really kind of just, just loved how these people, the the patients would connect with the nurses there and just how there was, you could see this relationship and this caringness with the nurses and some of the patients would bring in cookies or a little goodie or something. And it just seemed, it just seemed so life-giving to everyone. I loved the relationship part of it. And so I knew that I, after that point, I knew that I wanted to do something where I could work with people. And I, I um, knew that I was interested in the human body and always have been interested in health and wellness. And so that's kind of where it led to me writing about that. And then I also, ironically, one of the things I didn't want to at the time uh, have a job where I was sitting at a computer, which is funny because now we just use computers all day, every day. <laughs> but um, at the time, I didn't know that was where the world was heading. Yep. And so for those reasons, that's what led me into nursing. I was a Christian. I was I grew up going to church, Southern Baptist Church, and I had a profession of faith and was saved as a young child. But, but what I would say is I didn't really, it was kind of my get out of jail free card for a long time. And I mean, I went to church when I wanted to, and I didn't really live out that faith. I didn't live a life of discipleship and, and those kinds of things. And so I kept my work and my faith pretty separate for many years. And, and then as, as I probably in my early thirties or late twenties, started to really develop a relationship with the Lord. Mm. I started to learn that, oh, discipleship happens in the workplace and out in the world. You know, it's not being a Christian isn't about going to church. There's nothing wrong. We should go to church, but that actually in the workplace is where we have the opportunity to live out our faith. So now, especially in my role as a nurse practitioner, I would say I, I live that out regularly more often, more authentically, because I have an opportunity to sit down one-on-one with people and discuss what's going on in their lives. And often mm-hmm. it does lead to a discussion about faith. Yeah, And and so it's been an evolution as far as my faith and my work jiving and what that looks like. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. And I mean, the answer to this could totally be no, but have you had any experiences as a nurse that has caused you to not like it could question your faith or just like be a sticking point for your faith in in your career journey? That is a good question. You know, I think it also depends like what area of nursing, you know, you, you kind of stick. Yes. I have done many areas of nursing, but if anything, actually, I would say that it has reinforced mm. my faith and reinforced what, what God's word teaches us because there, there are a lot of things that you run across. I mean, I have seen some really devastating things happen, you know, holding people's hands as they die, young people who, you know, you would, shouldn't, would think shouldn't die. It's too young. You know, yeah. I've seen a lot of hard things happen, but often if people know the Lord, like they are so resilient in those moments and they're yeah. at peace and you can really, you have a front row seat to see how God really works. Mm. So I can't say I've had a time where it's made me an experience or something going on with a patient has made me question my faith. It's actually been the opposite. It's more solidified it and mm. encouraged me in my faith. Mm, that's beautiful. I think one, one thing that I heard recently is you know that like there's always the poignant question of like why does god let you know bad things happen to good people and that whole kind of rigmarole but it's it was around the idea of suffering um 
of like, when you're a Christian, you'll still suffer. And like, you know, the Bible shows us that, but as a Christian, we get a unique hope through the suffering that makes the suffering a lot easier. And I feel like that's a little bit of what you were saying is what you would see in, you know, patients going through hardships. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I can tell you that one story that, uh, just a quick story that a, yeah. a guy shared with me, he, he was actually doing physically quite well at this point, but a number of years before he had heart surgery, open heart surgery, and he actually died. Like his heart stopped. Mm-hmm. And, uh, during some, I think during the recovery process or something, and, they coded him and brought him back. But he said in that experience, he actually met Jesus, Mm. saw him. And he, when he came back and he woke up and he was still in this world, he was mad. I mean, he was, (laughs) he was like, and, and he makes it a point, this has been years, but he makes it a point to, to make all anyone who takes care of him know, like, do not ever resuscitate me. If I'm going again, I'm staying there. Like I'm not coming back. Um, so just things like that, that you hear that, that just reinforce how even in death, which is so hard for us that are left behind, um, that, that it's such a good thing to move on to the next life and be with Jesus. And even in suffering, a lot of times people, even though it's hard, it's hard to watch, it's hard to experience. A lot of times people have such intimacy with the Lord, mm. like the Lord draws near to us when we suffer. So yeah. I just get to see that a lot. Yeah, that's beautiful. One thing that I'm actually, one of the um, writing projects that I'm working on is how to be close to God in the not suffering in in, in the mundane, because yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent right. It's, it's hard, but it's easy to cling to some good and some hope. And usually that, that cling is to God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think for me personally, I can definitely relate to that. Like it, it is a challenge to cling to the Lord so tightly when everything's kind of okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about I like to kind of make it from like a macro. Yes. I like practice my faith at work, but like, let's take it micro and let's talk about like, what does that actually look like on a day-to-day basis? How do you show up as a Christ follower, um, in your work and with your patients and where, with your colleagues and so on and so forth? Yeah. So I try to, in anything I do in my life, live with bearing that identity, showing that identity in Christ. And so I try to bring that into my workplace. And I I wouldn't say that I talk about Jesus all the time or, um, you know, mention his name all the time. I look for moments to do that, but Mm -hmm. I would say I try to live it out and, and try to live out my faith in what I do. Yeah. And so how I interact with people, one of the things that I really prioritize is just listening to people and really listening to, mm. to what's behind what they're saying, what's going on in their life and making them feel heard. I think mm. that's one of the biggest gifts that you can give people and they're not going to trust you or give you the time of day to give them medical advice or, you know, tips on encourage them to know the Lord either way if, if they don't feel like you care about them. And so with my coworkers, with um, my patients, I think I just really work on listening, being present with them, taking the time to, to make them feel heard and cared about. And that to me is as important or more important than medically making the right decision Mm -hmm. and doing the right thing for them, because I just think it matters more. Yeah. And so that's really how, how I live that out. Um, and you know, I've done little, little practical things sometimes, uh, like I said, I help people lose weight. And so if I see they're struggling and we have a conversation about their faith and, and they're open to it, I'll make one of their weight loss goals, you know, things like things like to eat more vegetables and you know, of course there's specifics around it, but I'll make one of their goals to be to pray every morning or find mm-hmm. a couple of Bible verses that encourage them. 
And so I do it in practical ways too, but Mm -hmm. mostly it's, it's just in how I interact with people, just helping them to, to feel like, like they matter. I think that you have you and anyone else in the healthcare kind of industry, especially those who have interface with patients. And, and when you work at a smaller, you know, not like the ER where it's like going to come in and they're going to leave. Hopefully you don't see that person again, but in the, in the industry and in the function that you're at, you actually get to build relationship with these people. And I think that's one thing that I didn't necessarily anticipate going into this conversation. Like I just, I I just didn't really think of it of, yeah, like I, I work to build this kind of rapport with my coworkers, but that's because I talk to my coworkers all the time, but you have that with your coworkers and your patients and the people or like, you know, quote unquote, your customers, right. The people you interface with daily also extended the, your, your patients. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I say it's such a privilege because you really get this intimate relationship with people and people trust you with, with some sometimes really vulnerable information that they're sharing with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty sacred really. And yeah. and yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's a privilege, but it's an opportunity for a Christian. Yeah. And, and two, the other thing that stood out while you were talking is is the ability to connect faith with kind of overall well-being and physical health. I think that I kind of see it a little bit in the Christian environment that this this idea of physical health um, is a little bit far removed from our faith when really it is very, very intertwined. And you hear a lot of people who say, you know, our bodies are temporary, but also God created our bodies so intentionally and so detailed that like we get these bodies, even though they're just temporary for the life, like we need to be good stewards of that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. That is, that is one of the things that inspired me to start writing about wellness as a Christian mm-hmm. and mostly geared towards Christian women, but because I don't hear a lot of talk about that in churches, you know, yeah. you don't hear a lot of sermon series on health and wellness, Yeah, but I love that you said our bodies are temporary because our bodies are also a temple. Yeah. And, and so, yes, they're temporary. You know, we don't need to make it an idol to, right. you know, to make our bodies look a certain way so that, so that we get praise or we get the attention that we want, but our bodies are a temple and we can't do what God created us to do. And we can't, we can't experience what mm-hmm. God intends for us to experience if we're not well. And part yeah. of that is their spiritual, mental, physical wellness, you know, it's all encompassing. Mm -hmm. And then as a, on the flip side for me personally, as a healthcare provider, if, if I'm just treating the physical and I'm ignoring the spiritual, well, then I'm missing a whole, I mean, I can't tell you how many people come in. Like I said, I specialize in helping people lose weight. I, I would say over half of those people are facing a spiritual and emotional battle that is holding them back from, from reaching their health and wellness goals. So I have to address that. I have to pay attention to that. And I have to have to be open to conversations about both. And so, yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right. I think that, that in the Christian spaces, we could do a, it's starting. Mm -hmm. We started a few years ago, really emphasizing and embracing and discussing mental health issues. I think that's awesome. And I'd love to see it even go further into spill over into more physical health issues and and that that kind of thing. Yeah. And the funny thing is too, so my husband and his family, they're all, or he was raised up Seventh-day Adventists and Seventh-day Adventists are known for their emphasis on healthy living. So if you look at, um, the healthiest city in America. It's actually in California. It's Loma Linda, 
which is a Seventh Day Adventist community. And there's Loma Linda High School or uh, uh, hospital, and there's the medical school there and all that stuff. And it's the healthiest community because that's just kind of what they put their emphasis on in in terms of their living. But yeah, that's, I I always like to say every denomination has this like little focus area where I'm just like, we need to like all of that. Oh, I just hit my mic where we have (laughs) all of that kind of like all at once, but that's just an aside, but yeah, it's the funniest thing where, um, uh, part of the, their community outreach, there's a, you know, a ton of SDA churches out here. Part of their outreach is doing a diabetes care clinic at a church. Like that was one of their ministries that they did was, Hey, let's help you take care of and manage your diabetes. Well, that's awesome. I love it. That's so interesting. I actually didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And you, here where I am and so many churches now are non-denominational, but right in this area used to be so heavily Southern Baptist. Mm. And I, I mean, I feel like as far as, I mean, we're the, the, every event has a casserole that's full <laughs> of, you know, butter and right. cream of chicken soup and, you know, whatever else goes in there. And so, um, I think that's awesome. You know, yeah. I, and I'd love to see more of that in, in Christian circles. And I'm not yeah. saying it's not talked about at all, but right. Yeah. I'd love but to see more than, and it matters. Yeah. And, and that just that one, you know, just that one ministry of having like, you know, like how to manage your diabetes. I was, just, it just took me back where I was just like, Oh, like, you know, God is still in that space too. And just like, you know, approaching ministry from like a really unique perspective, for example, the church that we attend, they have, um, what they call a car care clinic. And it is a very practical, tangible way of ministering to people in the community is helping them out with any car issues that they may have, you know? And so it's just kind of like thinking outside the box of, you know, what, ministry could really look like and really see that God can be in all of these different places. Yeah. Well, and often that's how we reach people is by meeting their practical needs. Mm -hmm. And then it, that sort of starts that trust relationship I was talking about. Yeah. If you can, if you can meet a practical need that they have in a physical way, whether it's with their physical body or their car or whatever it is, you know, then, then they see that you care. And then they're like, now tell me about what is this Jesus stuff you're talking about? Right. And and if you look at Jesus's ministry and what he went after in terms of, you know, his healings and right. Like when, when he fed the 5,000, right. Like it was a very practical need. People needed to eat. Yeah. So he provided food, right. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Jesus met practical needs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it just wasn't, which is, you know, part of my little, you know, soapbox that I'll live and die on. It was like, let's not just give people fluff. Like let's actually meet people and give people practical actions, which is what we finished this podcast with, but we're not there yet today. So So take me through a little bit because you're, you, you started off this conversation by telling me all the hats you're wearing, which is phenomenal. And I totally resonate with that. I don't resonate with the mom hat because I'm not a mom. I am a dog owner. I don't call myself a dog mom. I hate that term um, because it is different in my opinion. Moms and owners of dogs are different as much as I love my fluffy dogs, um, talk about like what that looks like and kind of wearing all of those hats and, and also making sure you're caring for yourself in a spiritual way. Yeah. So it, it is a challenge to be honest. It's a challenge. And I'm someone, I, I told someone the other day, speaking of dogs, I said, I said, we were talking about retirement and those kinds of things. And I said, you know how there's certain dog breeds that they say they, they misbehave and, and get in trouble because they're bred to work. And so they want to be doing what they were bred to do. Right. And, um, I feel like I'm that kind of human. Like if I was a dog, (laughs) I'm, I was bred to work. Gotcha. (laughs) And so I, for me as a, as a mom, I, I know that there are a lot of moms that when, once they have children, they, they stay at home and that's amazing. 
Yeah. But I, I, I did it a little bit in a couple of phases in my life, but mostly I have always worked at least part, if not full time. And I just need that satisfaction of, um, of having meaningful work for myself mm-hmm. yeah. and that interaction with other humans that aren't humans that I birthed and, <laughs> yes. or the one I married, you know? And, yeah. and so, but it is a challenge and, uh, because I'm a hard worker and my work does matter to me, some I have I have learned to create boundaries and mm. and I don't always do that perfectly or well, right. but I try. And and so my days often look like I, as far as taking care of myself, I get up early in the morning. I go to a 5 a.m. workout class or do a workout at home early in the morning. Do my Bible study early in the morning, and. I have to get kind of creative with how I have one-on-one time with the Lord. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I listen to Christian podcasts a lot. Sometimes in the morning, I might have five or 10 minutes at the most to, to be able to sit with the Lord. And I just pray, maybe write out a prayer and spend time listening to him for a few minutes to just connect my myself with him and turn my heart to him. With the kids, you know, it. I've I've learned that work will always be there. And I try to, to prioritize things with, with the kids and like my son, what, so you look for these, these phases and these times where this is a time that I can miss and I'm, I'm going to be working because that's my responsibility. And, and then on the other hand, this is a time that I don't want to miss. My son just graduated fifth grade. And so my last kiddo in elementary, it's the end of an era. So I made sure this last year that I went to his activities and things like field trips and having lunch with him at at school and just special things like that. And so it's, it's always a balance Mm -hmm. of trying to meet my responsibilities and be a good employee, but knowing that as, especially as a Christian woman, your first ministry is to your family, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, my husband and my children. So I try to keep, I try to keep it in mind. And a, right. a huge tip for balancing that it's something that works really well for me is just utilizing my calendar mm-hmm. and always looking ahead. And so if someone mm-hmm. says, Hey, do you want to meet and work on this thing for the church? Or there's a, a ministry that I'm a part of and I volunteer with it. I'm always looking at my calendar and sometimes it's like, well, I'm already doing this other thing on Tuesday, so I don't want to pick up another thing on Thursday. So no, not that week. I'll do it the next week. So yeah. just trying to balance and make sure that I'm not neglecting the people in my home mm. or my work. Yeah. And, and, um, but it's hard. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You practically read my mind with like looking ahead and looking at your calendar while you were talking, I was thinking, oh, I'm hearing a trend of looking ahead here with, with like your son in fifth grade. And, you know, you have to be able to pause and kind of look forward into the upcoming season that is happening and be able to manage your time and responsibilities accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and it does take some anticipation mm-hmm. and you never know what the Lord's going to bring. You know, he, he kind of does his own thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I have to be ready for that too, but yeah, anticipation is huge. Yeah. And uh, me and my husband just walked through like a really hard season. And, and in that, um, I usually volunteer at my church on Saturdays and, um, I just said, you know what, like I need to take a step back for this season. I'll be back. I'm not leaving forever. Like I'll be back and volunteering, but right now, this, this requires me to kind of take a step back and you know what, like my weekends or our weekends together have been so just life-giving in this season that I don't have any regrets about kind of taking that step back. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, you have to listen to what the Lord puts on your heart and what's going on in your life. And every season is different. Mm -hmm. And so the way the way you live out, whatever God has called you to do, whatever ministry or service or whatever he's put on your heart to, to do in this life, it's, it's going to look different in every season. Yeah. And there may be a season where you're more focused on family 
Mm-hmm. And I think of it too. Um, I know a lot of people say like use this analogy when it ta- when they come when it comes to like friendships of like having like thinking of like a target. You have like your center, and then you have your like middle ring, and then you yeah. have their outer ring, and it can keep going. That's kind of how I see, you know, my responsibilities and, and even my time and energy investment. So like in the middle is like obviously it's myself but also my family my my family is kind of that immediate investment and then you go out and that's you know my church community and then you go out a little bit more and that's kind of where my work finds itself sits sits yeah yeah Yeah. and I love that you mentioned that because I've seen that I know that the diagram you're talking about yeah but for me and I see a lot of women that neglect themselves. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, I'm, I'm talking about prioritizing family and, and all of that, but I see a lot of women that put their family, their friends and everyone else and everything else, their job sometimes too above themselves. And yeah. I, I, I prioritize self-care, not, I don't think, I hope it's not in a selfish way, right? but because I know that I can't give to anyone if I'm, if I'm not filled up. And so that's right. why my time with the Lord is, is precious. You know, it's, yeah. it's like oxygen or nutrition for me Yeah, and, and exercise and, and good nutrition and getting enough sleep. I mean, all of that I prioritize for myself because I can't do anything. I mean, if I don't do those things and I'm going to be snappy with my kids and yeah, I'm, I'm going to not be that good listener to my patients I was talking about, and it's all just going to roll downhill. Right. Yeah. So that's a huge priority, I think, mm-hmm. for for women. We sometimes are just really self-deprecating, like we 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 feel like we need to be selfless and meet everybody else's needs. And yeah. at some point, you have to make sure that yours are met. Yeah, and I think too, I really go back to scripture on that. Of um, I was even having a conversation about this, um in in one of my small groups that uh, I attended a few years ago and uh they're like I think they said like self-care is not in the bible I'm like okay but also like hear me like have self-care as we know it in our generation yeah sure like Jesus wasn't going to get a manicure but (laughs) Jesus still retreated and he even had you know private time with the Lord and he had private time in prayer. And then he even retreated with his, with a closer group of friends than his 12 disciples, um, retreated with them and, and had, you know, unique time with them. And so I just kind of point to that and saying like, you know, Jesus took care of himself and, and modeled taking care of himself in the ways that he needed to, even though he was perfect, he still made sure to have that time with God. So yeah. that's just kind of what I like always like point to when, when I see all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even God rested on the seventh day, right? Right. Not because he was tired, but right. for, as an example to us and to see what he had done. Yeah. So yeah, we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to kind of practicing your own faith and wearing all the many, many hats that you do wear, what is, what would you say is kind of the biggest struggle that you run into the biggest sticking point? Cause another thing that I want to say on here is like, we're all, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fail. We all struggle. We all sin in some way, shape or form. Um, and, and no one's walk with God looks perfect. Um, I personally really struggle with quiet time because this brain does not turn off. So (laughs) what, what is kind of the biggest obstacle that you run into? So I could pick several. Yeah. I think that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not alone several. in that. I, I could pick several. If I had to, if I had to pick one that that would be a big, the biggest struggle for me, it would it would be self reliance or just the need to control things. Mm. And because you've heard a little bit about my life, and I have a full work schedule and the family, and I, I'm serving in different ways, and I write, I do all these things, right? Right, and sometimes it can feel like a lot that I need to manage. And it's always a, a constant 
effort for me to remember that God's in control, that everything he gives me is, is mine to steward, but it's his. And, and so just always trying to go back to submitting to him, Mm. um, and, and making sure that I'm walking in his will. So not taking over with the, with like a problem arises and me wanting to problem solve yeah. rather than spend some time in prayer about it for a little while or take it to him and, and trusting him and letting him lead me. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then time would be the, like, if, if I could pick a number two, I would say time because ideally I would, I would like to like right now it's summertime. And so my kids don't have to be somewhere early in the morning most of the time. So I have a little bit more time Mm. to sit down with the Lord, but when school's in session and I have to be at work at a certain time, I, it's like sneaking away a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And I'm praying as I'm driving in the car. And, you know, like I said, sometimes I get on my days off. I'm really glad to have that one day off during the week and the weekend so that I can spend a longer time with the Lord on those days, but just flat out the amount of time that I have is a struggle. And, and so the way I get around that really is, is sort of being creative and always keeping my trying to keep my heart turned to the Lord. So I'm Mm -hmm. always listening to podcasts, Christian podcasts and Christian music. And on my lunch break, I might read, you know, uh, uh, something that's Christian content. And so always trying to stay connected, even if it's, even if my full attention isn't there, like I would want it to be in a one-on-one time you know, in the morning, a morning quiet time, but always trying to keep my attention and my mind and my heart tuned to the Lord Mm. is, is sort of the solution I've come up with the time. Time is hard. Yeah. And I think that goes a lot to, again, the physical environment that we find ourselves in of just surrounding ourselves, uh, with Jesus. And, uh, a a few episodes ago on the podcast, I had a guest say, if being a Christian was illegal, do you have enough Jesus in your life surrounding your life to be able to sustain, sustain your faith? Yeah. Ooh, that's like, a good question. Right. Like it was just this big sucker punch of like, not even in terms of just like, do I have a cross on my door, which I don't own any crosses, but like, <laughs> do I have enough scripture in my head and in my heart? Do you know, is the music that I listen to, you know, impacting my, my life in that way. What about the shows I watch? What about what I read, et cetera, et cetera. And you can go down the list, but yeah, that was one thing. I was like a huge sucker punch of like, do I have enough Jesus just like surrounding in my life, um, to be able to sustain that relationship? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good thing to think about. <laughs> it's a hard, it's, it's, that was like, we at my church we call them throat punches um that was very throat punchy <laughs> of her to bring that up <laughs> it was. how dare she <laughs> how dare she um but yeah and and I really resonate with the like the self-reliance piece too because um a lot of what just the studying that I'm doing is a lot around God's provision and our attempt for control in this world yeah yeah I mean, that's why when Moses went up on the mountain, they made an idol. And, and if you look at biblical history, we do the same things. Maybe we're not making idols out of golden, you know, out of gold and making a cap, but, but we're making our own and we're always trying to take back control. Yeah. So what does kind of your involvement with your church look like and how do you find enough energy to be able to invest in that way. Yeah. Well, the, it, it is a challenge as well, but yeah. I, I am very involved in my church and I've been involved in church it, almost my entire adult life. And, and so currently I'm serving at my church as an elder and I, I lead a women's Bible study and I serve a little bit kind of fill in here and there in, in children's ministry. So I'm, I'm pretty involved as far as how I'm serving. But what I would say is if, if you hear that I'm an elder and you're like, well, that's impressive. 
Um, before, lest, lest you be too impressed, let me just tell you that I am not always at the church. I mean, just right. last week, for instance, we, it's summertime. So we've been out of town. So we had not been at church and our church had a prayer night, which I love to go to. And that morning I was like, I'm going to go to this prayer night. And then as the day went on, I was like, I'm not going to go to this prayer night because it, it fell too close to when I got off of work, the day kind of got away from me. Yeah. And, um, at the end of the day, I was just very tired. And mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a bit of discernment. I know there's a bit of discernment there because you have to make sure that it's not like Satan's not distracting you away of what you should do. Right. You have to allow yourself permission when you have so many things that you're doing and you know that the Lord has put you in these places and he's given you the family that he's given you. You have to give yourself permission to not be present at a, every church function. Yeah. But I would say that I'm not as present in the church physically as I would like to be. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a posture and a mindset and a heart mm. thing. Yeah. And so I'm, if I'm not there, I'm often praying for the church and as an elder, I try to reach out and have lunch or coffee with someone on a regular basis. I don't do that as often as I'd like to. So I would right. say I'm very involved, but I don't do all the things that my heart wants to do, but I have to also just be at peace with that. Yeah. And, and know that the Lord's not like, well, C minus for you today because you right. didn't go to the prayer night. Um, that that's what he wants is my heart and a relationship with me. And, yeah. and so it is, it's a, it's a battle and a balance. Mm. Um, but I definitely have less guilt now as life has gone on and more peace about being able to say no when I'm, when I'm not supposed to be there and, and then say yes to the things that I am supposed to say yes to. Yeah. And correct me if you correct me if I'm like inaccurately portraying this, but it also sounds like you're also protecting yourself from being performative about your faith. Yes. Um, and, and that is a big thing for me too, is, is one of the things that I, I stumbled across and I've written about recently is that we have to desire God's presence more than his praise. Mm. And so it's, it's so important to not do something just for the recognition and, and just to be there to say that we're there right? versus to be doing something because our heart's in it. And we know that God wanted us to be there. Yeah. And so, yeah, for sure. And, and that has been a big, um, a, a, I would say a big breaking point or a big turning factor, a big pivot for me is that it's, it's not living out your faith is not about a checklist and doing the things that a good Christian girl should do right. that it's about a relationship and that God desires most to have our hearts and to mm -hmm. know us and to have us want to know him. Yeah. And then everything else is kind of birthed from that. Yeah. And I think too, like, I, th I think there's like three categories of this and I actually find myself very often in the, I don't feel it. I think there's the, I don't feel it. There's the, I'm doing this just for looks. And then there's the, I'm doing this because I, you know, want and feel to do this. And I think, yeah. you know, if that makes sense, there's kind of like three buckets. Cause as you're talking, I'm like, you know, there, there's the discernment that must happen between like, I'm doing this for performative sake or, or I'm not doing this um, because I don't feel like it, but then part of me is also like, I also often do not feel like going to yeah. church, for example, or, or what have you. Yeah. And that's, that's very discerning too, because that's not to say what I was sharing is not to say that everything that, that we do, whether it's with the church or in some other way that in service in in ministry, whatever it is, everything we do is not going to be something we want to do. I mean, there are right. some times that, that God's going to call us to do something that you're like, I do not want to like, really Lord, I don't right. want to do that, but you're sure that that's what he wants you to do. So it's not all right. about what you want to do. Right. But, 
but kind of what, what do you need to do? Yeah. And I think it's completely okay to, I think you can be involved and you can be a, a, a member of a church community and be active and miss out on functions because you've worked all day, but don't yeah. use that as an excuse every time. Right. Like there was, there was a, a woman that um, came to my Bible study for years and I use the term came loosely mm. because everybody knew Bible study. She would say, I'm so excited to see you guys again. And she might show up once, mm. maybe twice. And then every, every week she'd, she'd have a reason why she wasn't coming or that she had to right. work late or whatever it is. And so it's not every time, you know, yeah. there's, there's a, there's a commitment and um, a willingness to be present mm. that, that I think is important and will lead to fruit in your life. Yeah. But you also can't just keep, if you keep pushing yourself to be there for selfish reasons, honestly, prideful reasons, right? Um, then you're going to exhaust yourself and you're not doing that from the Lord. You're yeah. doing that from yourself. And so it's yeah. not going to be fruit. Yeah. And, and it's just, yeah, it's just that discernment of figuring out kind of where it is. And I've definitely fallen into the trap of like, especially with going to like small group. Cause I'm like, it's at the end of the day. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. Like, but also <clears throat> at the end of every week, it's, I don't regret going. Yeah. Um, you know, I always get filled up by the Lord for going. And then on the other side of that too, is I think it, you know, again, this is where discernment comes in of, it depends on what you're doing and what your role is. Because with, with my small group, if I had an unhappy heart, I know that they are gracious and loving and they would be like, okay, like page pages in a mood today. And like, that definitely <laughs> happens. Um, but also these are the people that I'm doing life with. Whereas like, you know, if you're at a church function where there might be new people there and you are just like in a really terrible yeah. headspace and you're kind of like, have the, don't talk to me sign on your forehead, right? Yeah. Maybe that is where discernment comes in. And like, you decide to be back, uh, maybe behind the scenes that week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because we're yeah. not all perfect. We don't always have it together, but also we want people who are entering into, whether it be church or into the Christian world, you know, feeling welcome and feeling wanted there because they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Gina, thank you so much for giving this glimpse of your life and how you balance everything because it sounds very difficult. In my opinion, <laughs> you sound like a superhero, especially with those 5 a.m. workouts. <laughs> oh, no. I always, I like to say like, yes, like I get my best work done in the morning, but yeah. then I want to go back to bed after I get my best <laughs> work done. There has been many a times where I like, I might wake up at like four and I'm like, oh, like, oh, I'm awake for the day. Might as well like go get something, go get some writing done, maybe go to the gym. And then I come back home and I crawl in bed and I fall back asleep for another two hours. So, uh, the 5am workout is very, very impressive. I well, say. if it makes you feel any better on occasionally on a Tuesday, I have actually done that. I've come back and gone back to bed for a little so there, now you can feel better. <laughs> Does feel good. Well, I always like to conclude our podcast with what is one thing our audience can do and take away with this week to implement a faith building discipline for their life. So I think the best thing that, that we can do, especially as, as folks who work out in the world, I think the best thing we can do is ask ourselves, what is our, our purpose? And our, as Christians, our purpose is always to go and tell the world about Jesus. Right. But mm. specifically, how do you do that? And how do you show the world what, who Jesus is? Yeah. And so if you know that, then you can look at your calendar, for instance, and say, well, these things I can, I can, you can ask yourself when I go to work, how do I live that out? Mm. What posture am I going to have? 
How am I going to behave? What are things I'm going to say and do with your family, with, with whatever you're doing? And you can also identify things in your life that maybe don't align with that. And maybe those are things that you need to scale back or let go of if, if you can. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like identifying some, somehow aligning with your purpose, what you do in your career mm-hmm. and figuring out how those two fit together. So for me, it was a game changer when I realized that I help people to live well. And I believe that's through a relationship with Jesus and knowing his love for me mm. and my love in return for him and how that plays out and how I live my life. But I can show people at my patients that I take care of um, at work, I can show people as an example and I can show them how to live their life well. And I can do all those things I was talking about before with listening to them. So yeah. just, I did, I think identifying your purpose mm. and asking yourself with each area of your life, how does this fit? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It really resonates with me. And one thing that my church often says is, you know, as as a, as kind of an American Western culture, um, you want to know where a person's affections are. Look at their time, like look at their calendar and look at their wallet. Where are you spending the most time and where are you spending the most money? And that'll show you where their affections are. And so, um, I feel, I hear a little bit of what you're saying in that, um, in that align your your actions and your values with your purpose and and everything will kind of like shimmy into place there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love that. Well, Gina, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our audience find you if they want to hear more from you, read some of that writing that you're doing and all that good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paige. It was so great to have this conversation. Thanks for what you're doing. I'm excited to read more and hear more from you, but people can find me at Gina, G-E-N-A, GinaWrites.com. That's my website. And you can find me on Instagram. That's primarily the social media avenue that I use. And so it's Gina Anderson writes is my, my Instagram, but GinaWrites.com. And then my books are on Amazon. So you can search for my, my author name there. The well woman is, is one title and no excuses is the Bible study on the book of James. So that's where you can find me. And again, it's been a great conversation. I'm so, I'm so thankful you're doing this. I think this is a a good and powerful thing, Paige. Thank you. Thank you. And all of those links will be in the show notes as well. So you have easy access to go find Gina and uh, the well woman. I feel like I'm definitely going to like be on Amazon right after I finish (laughs) and this meeting um, and and going to buy that because it sounds like a wonderful read. So thank you so much, Gina. I really appreciate your time. Thank you.